Hey everybody, I am off campus with you today. So I am online and I am officially literally off campus with you. So if you're off campus today, I'm with you. And uh, for everybody who's there in person, a hi from my dining room. Um, everyone in our house has been dealing with COVID this week. First the kids, then me, and now Rob. So because we love you, we're gonna stay away from you <laughs> as per the rules and as per our love for you. So we are just hanging out at home and recovering. Everybody's doing okay, uh, but definitely don't want anyone else to get sick around us. And so we're home. And so um, our incredible speaking team obviously is capable of bringing you the word today. But uh, when we found out about this COVID situation in our home, it was a little too late in the week to ask somebody to prep a message and this one was already finished. And so I already had this one ready for you this morning. So I decided that this would be the best way forward for us to connect today and to be able to bring the word inside of this series like we had planned. So thank you for your grace in this change of format. Just rolling with it, whether you're in person or you're off campus, whatever it is. And thank you so much to our amazing staff and our, our team members there at the church. Everyone just like when they found out this was happening, jumped in, changed things, changed roles, uh, just just did whatever was needed to be done so that um, the, the Dunhams here could, could just stay and isolate at home. So I'm really appreciate for that. You guys are the actual best and I'm really grateful for you. Um, so I'm also really grateful that this technology exists, that it's just here. It's Saturday afternoon here in my house and I'm able to bring this to you and continue our series this way. It's pretty cool actually, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so remember that this series that we're in is intended to speak to some of the most common questions about and objections to Christianity. And I want you to be able to have personal clarity and also be able to engage um, and feel equipped to engage with others when you're talking about your faith. So that's the idea of our series reconstruction here in January. So we'll jump into our, our next objection to Christianity. Um, and we're, like I said earlier, we're pulling these with a lot of help from uh, the book, The Reason for God by Timothy Keller, really helpful resource if you want to check that out. So another objection that people have to Christianity is sounds maybe something like this. People say that Christian beliefs are absolute. They're one size fits all truth that is objectively true for everyone. Um, that that belief is subversive to our individual and communal freedom and that Christianity is an enemy of authentic personhood of social cohesion and even freedom. In other words, Christianity can be like a straitjacket. Uh, like who gives me, or who gives you the right to tell me how to live my life? Why are there so many rules? This is the objection I wanna talk about today. And I'm sure you've heard that, I have before too. There's just so many rules in Christianity and who says that you have the right rules. So let's talk about rules for a minute. We can't escape them. We are given rules everywhere. We actually talked about this already a couple weeks ago in a different context. Think about how many rules you had to follow just to get here this morning, just to be hearing my voice. If you're there in person this morning, you had to register for church, you had to drive, think about driving, so many rules you had to follow uh, to get to church, you had to answer questions on a screening, you have to be wearing a mask, you have to be socially distancing, um, plus all of the social norms, forget all of that other stuff, but the social norms of what it means when you gather. You know that the rules are, you know, you don't talk over each other, you're probably, because, you know, you're probably, I can't, I can't say for sure, but that you're sitting quietly and you're listening and you're not just having a party while someone else is talking. That's just the, you know, the rules that we play by. If you're off campus with me this morning, um, you know that you have to go to a specific site. You have to log in. 
Yeah, you have to moderate your own comments. You have to pay for your access to the internet. You wouldn't be able to see this if you didn't have uh, somebody paying that bill so you could access the internet. You have to uh, agree to the terms and conditions of YouTube and all the other things that are rules so that you can be watching this off campus today, right? We just, we know all the rules just for us to be able to gather. There's just a lot of things we are so used to, we take for granted, we're just okay with. But when you really think about it, we followed a lot of rules to be together this morning. We follow a lot of rules a lot of time, actually, in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools. Um, it's just really a matter of knowing whose rules you're following and understanding that you are indeed following rules. And the truth is this, um, we actually want some restrictions. We, we do, because laws we know keep us safe. Uh, my, my kid just started driving on her own. Um, and I know she knows the rules of the road. She passed her test, she passed her driving test. Um, I know she knows what to do on the road. And what I want now is for everybody else who is behind the wheel of a car to also obey the rules of the road so that together everybody is kept safe. I want everyone to obey them down to the letter so that when she takes my car, um, I can do a little tiny bit less praying and just a little more having more faith in humanity. I want everyone to obey the rules because that keeps her safe, that keeps them safe, everybody is safe. And so the issue is not rules, the issue is finding the right rules or the right restrictions that allow us to thrive and to do, um, to do the things that we know are in agreement with our own design and for the greater good and for the good of ourselves. So what rules or whose rules are going to cause the best outcome in the long run for your life? Because they're in sync with how you were created and what's best for your life. I mean, that's really the question that we're answering. That's why we have laws, because we've decided together that these things are going to provide the best outcomes for us as a society, right? So why do we agree to be limited by so many rules? Because we know instinctively that by limiting ourselves now, by choosing some things to limit ourselves with, we are actually creating freedom in the long run. So I already mentioned the rules of the road. We, we have lots and lots of rules of the road um, and we limit ourselves and how we drive in order to create safety for everyone else, right? Um, we do the same thing with diet and exercise. We limit what we eat. We limit um, what we do with our leisure time. We don't like, we limit our couch sitting, Netflix watching time and, and so that we can create health and longevity, we exercise and we, we choose healthy foods. That's, these are all positive affirmations if that is also what you're trying to do. Uh, we do these things and we limit ourselves now so that we can have health and longevity in the future. And we know that that's true, that those are the rules you abide by if you want health and longevity in the future. And so when it comes to spiritual rules, it's the same thing. It is hard to forgive. It's hard to show respect to other people. It's hard to do some of those things today and in the moment but we instinctively know that doing those things sets us up for a better future. It builds character and it builds integrity that is going to be far more beneficial for our future than um, hanging on to those things and becoming people who are bitter or unforgiving or disrespectful, right? So we know, we know these things to be true. It's not always easy to do, but we know instinctively that, that, that limiting ourselves in some ways now provides benefits for the future. And we often think that um, freedom or being free means that we can do whatever we want however we want to do it but truthfully that idea does not actually work in real life in fact you might even say it's pretty naive to think so 
Because being able to just do whatever you want, saying that that's what real freedom is, does not take into account the complexity of the human heart. The complexity of how we're motivated, why we do what we do, why we don't do what we don't do. I mean, do, do, do you think about that? Think about uh, why why do you do the things that you do, or why don't you think don't don't you do the things that you don't do? It's complicated. It's not black and white. There's shades of gray. There's lots of different factors: your past, your present, your your wants and hopes for the future, your personality, just all the different things. The human heart is so complex. And so to just blanket and say, I can do whatever I want, and that's what freedom means, is it really doesn't take that complexity into consideration at all. And that idea of freedom also doesn't take into, the, into account that doing whatever we want doesn't consider the questions of how we were actually created to live in this world. What's the, what's the best things that we could do to... Um, how, how to live the best that we can in this world. What are those things? What are those restrictions? Um, what are those rules to live by? It's not just do whatever you want. We instinctively know that. So we really do need to understand what those things are that go with how were we created to live. So freedom isn't simple and it also shouldn't always be defined by what isn't. There are lots of reasons that we limit our freedom for better outcome. We, I, like I said, we discipline ourselves. Um, in some way, or we simply uh, acknowledge a limitation that already exists that we can't do anything about, some kind of constraint that already is in our lives that um, we, we can't do anything about. So we just, we choose to limit ourselves in some way. Um, like maybe for example, a, a concert pianist. So someone who is incredible at, in, a, in a gift like that, they, you have to put all kinds of limits on yourself, all kinds of rules in place in order to be um, at that level you have to in order to practice to the um, the point where you can actually be a professional piano player um, and do concerts and have people want to listen to you there's all kinds of constraints so that you can live in that preferred outcome um, or um, one example from the reason for god book that i found was funny was he said uh, a five foot four 225 uh, 125 pound guy shouldn't put his hopes in being an nfl lineman no matter how much he practices he will get crushed. There are certain limitations that just exist in life. If you want to do, sometimes if you want to do A, um, you have to do B. But sometimes even if you want to do B, there are limits in your life that, that just don't allow for that to be true. And we sort of recognize that again instinctively. So freedom then is not having the absence of limitations, being able to do whatever we want, having no constraints in our life. What freedom really is, is finding the right ones, finding the ones that fit our nature, finding the ones that, that liberate us, that truly do make us free. What are those limitations? What are those rules that actually make us free? Don't just give us a, a sense of freedom that's not real. And the greatest example of this is actually probably love. When we're in love, we choose to happily uh, limit ourselves. We happily limit our freedoms for the sake of someone else. Keller says this, uh, love is the most liberating freedom loss of all. Uh, he makes a great statement about that in the discussion group uh, for the Reason for God book. I want you to take a listen to it for a second. Let me wrap up like this, maybe to help you understand how I see rules working in a Christian life. When I was falling in love with my wife, Kathy, um, I just, I actually did research. I talked to her friends. I did everything I could to find out what she liked and what she didn't like. And then I did it. 
or didn't do it. And when I look back on it, that was obviously, I was making all these changes and people saw that, but it was love and it didn't even feel like obedience. And uh, if you already love somebody and you feel loved, then you want to please them. And in a sense, you're making changes, but they don't even, it doesn't even feel like rules. It's just, it's just an instrument for pleasing the loved one. Now, that's how it starts. Having been married a long time, I want you to know that um, as you get out into the middle of marriage and you're limiting yourself, you know, you're trying to please the other person, it gets really hard unless the other person also limits herself, unless she's doing the very, very same thing. And then if you have 30 or 35 years of it, it can be a wonderful, wonderful kind of deep relationship that would never be gotten to otherwise unless you had given up the right to live as you wanted and limited yourself to the other person. Um, I think that's how it works with God, especially when you consider we don't just limit ourselves for God, but God actually made sacrifices for us. Okay, only, only Christianity says that God became human, he went to the cross. So uh, if I was giving to my wife and she never gave to me, it wouldn't work. If you give to God without having a God who actually has given to you, it wouldn't work. But in the Christian God, you've got somebody like that. We don't just limit ourselves for God, but God also made sacrifices for us. We don't just limit ourselves for God, but God also made sacrifices for us. That is a pretty stunning statement, isn't it? And I want to show you exactly where scripture says that. Because that's not just something that, that Tim Keller is saying. That is something he's pulling right from scripture. So turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 5 to 11. I love this passage. Um, if you are with us in you version, you of course can go to more and then events. And these scriptures are already loaded there for you. But again, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 5 says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Literally in the Greek, I'll just pause here. Literally in the Greek, it, it, it says, let this mind be among you as also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be among you. That's what um, the call to the church is here. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Even death on a cross. There's a reason there's an exclamation point here in the scripture, because death on a cross is it was the most humiliating death reserved for the worst offenders so it's saying here that that jesus humbled himself becoming obedient to death which was bad enough but to even to death on a cross that humiliating death reserved for the worst offenders therefore god exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father and in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Of course, that scripture is not talking about economic poverty. I'm sure you picked that up. Jesus, being fully God, had, had everything. 
but he chose to lay it aside to the point of choosing a sacrificial, horrible death for something that was better. And so in the Christian faith, um, the idea here about freedom and whether or not uh, Christianity is just, should be just a straight, it should be known as a straight jacket with all the rules. In the Christian faith, we see it actually like this, that we intentionally limit ourselves and we take on a certain set of rules and guidelines and restrictions for some very important reasons. And there, it is true, there are restrictions, there are guidelines, there are rules, but there's some really important reasons that we choose this life. First of all, we have found incredible love in the person of Jesus, who has shown us the love of God for us, and so we are willing to make sacrifices to serve that relationship. When we see what Jesus has done for us, we just most naturally say, I, I, I just recognize that I'm being loved so much that I, I want to I do something in this relationship too. I, I want to come to this relationship with my whole life as well. So that's the first reason. The second one is that as we live in these sacrifices, we, we discover that they are the most in line with how we were um, created to live and how we can thrive in the world more than anything else we've tried. So I know it sounds counterintuitive if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus or decided to really sacrifice and surrender the way that scripture calls us to. But this is really what's happening. When we live in, in, in sacrifice, when we live um, under the guidelines and the commands of Christ, we discover that these things are so in line with how we were created to live. They're not a straitjacket. They actually help us to thrive in the world because they're so in line with the way that we were created by the creator himself. And everything else that you try, everything else that we try to put on, everything else um, that we've tried to do for ourselves just doesn't, it doesn't compare. And I know it's counterintuitive, but when you're living inside of it, you realize this is true. This is so much more freeing. To live under these restrictions, to live under the commands of Christ is so actually much more freeing um, than trying to live for myself. And so we have discovered this. And if you're in Christ, I'm sure that you're also discovering this. And the third reason is this. We, 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 were, shown the, we were shown the way to do this um, by not a good man who lived a very, very good life and set a good example for us, we were shown this pattern of living, laying down those rights for something better. We were shown this pattern by God himself in the person of Jesus. And we were shown by Jesus' example that the right sacrifice has an incredible reward. No one gave up more than Jesus did. He, and scripture, that Philippian scripture we read says that um, he has now been given the name that is above every name. And so, in his, after his example, we, we give up our lives to his lordship, meaning like to his will and to his way and to what he taught and what he modeled. And we find that indeed we are given incredible rewards in this life and even more in the promise of eternity. It's pretty incredible. And the reason for God, like I said, our, one of our, our guiding uh, help, helps for this, this series, Keller says this, for a love relationship to be healthy, there must be mutual loss of independence. It can't be just one way. For a Christian, it's the same with Jesus. The love of Christ constrains. And once you realize how Jesus changed for you and gave himself for you, you aren't afraid of giving up your freedom and therefore finding your freedom in him.
So I called this message law or grace because this is a, a tendency that we we struggle to get we, we struggle to get into the right balance of law and grace. So if that's a new concept for you, the law refers to uh, that old the Old Testament laws that were given to the Jews, the six hundred and thirteen laws that they were supposed to uh, follow, sacrifices they had to make to cover for how they were inevitably going to sin by you know breaking some of those laws. And the grace side, law versus grace, the grace side refers to um, the New Testament law of love that Jesus taught about and that and then and then he died to bring into full effect. And we don't find forgiveness now through sacrifices of animals like we read about in the Old Testament, you know, doing that at certain times of the year and for certain reasons. We find it every day through faith in Christ. And we find it that it's given to us as a free gift of grace. So we're not under the law anymore. Jesus came and fulfilled the requirement of the law for us. Hallelujah. Right? Hallelujah. So that's what we understand. We have the law um, that we were living in under, um, in the Old Testament. And then this the law of grace instead that we're living under because of what Christ has done for us. That's what we believe. But we still need to understand that God is holy. And the commands of Christ are real. And the cost of salvation is surrendering your whole life to Jesus. And God is loving and he has incredible patience and his mercy are, were on full display in his life and, and in his death and in his resurrection. So God is holy and God is loving and both are true and living in the balance of the two can be hard to do. Some of us um, just most naturally tend towards really leaning into the certainty of rules and, and, and the law. And sometimes we can add our own interpretation to the commands of scripture. And we, we try, we don't mean to sometimes, but we impose those restrictions and those rules that we've created onto others. And we make that their burden to carry that. That's sometimes what we do. We read a lot about that in the, in uh, how we see the Pharisees in Jesus time and how he rebuked them for that. We, we still do it today. But some of us do the other the other thing and we, we tend towards grace and freedom in that we think that nothing matters except for love and we ignore everything else that might be uncomfortable or that might uh, require sacrificial living for us um, in our in our day-to-day -day life, in our behavior, and we just throw everything under the banner of love wins and say we can do whatever we want because Jesus. And we get ourselves into trouble when we tip to either side, into the law side or into the grace side. Yes, love does win. Jesus' love won it all. And yes, there is also a call to obedience and to sacrifice. And the perfect model of this balance is the one that we are following, the one who we are following, Jesus. Okay, I'm back after a coughing break. Everything's fine. Listen, the message of Christ to the world around us can be hard to grasp when all we're known for is what we're against, the set of rules that we abide by. But I think the message of Christ is equally hard to grasp when um, we're propping up an image that is like, Jesus is my homeboy bobblehead, you know? I don't know if that, if that translates for you. We're not looking just for emotional rhetoric. We're not looking for a list of rules. What we're aiming for and what we're called to, that I reread in scripture, is to be known as people who, again, um, who have learned about Jesus who have heard his message and were so impressed by him and his life and his death and his resurrection that we are simply trying to be true to the one who impresses us so much. 
and to do the things that he's called us to do. And that's where this standard comes from, but that's also the love and grace that we live under, that we can be free and forgiven, but then also lay down our lives for him and do the things that he's called us to do because it truly is the way that we thrive and flourish and the way we were created to be. That's the, that's the Christian message of all of the rules and why we would say it's not a straight jacket. It's, it comes from a place of love and a response to the love of God for us. We find so much grace and freedom in it. So the invitation this morning is this. To anyone who has faith in Christ, uh, ask yourself this question again this morning. I'm sure you've asked it before. Am I living in such a way that people can see the love and the sacrificial call of Christ modeled in my life? Am I living in that way? And if not, what needs to change in your heart? What is it that needs to be um, set in the direction of Christ? Which side of maybe this line are you tipping towards? And how is it that you need to focus more on how Jesus called you to live than one side or the other? What is it in your heart or mind and life that need to live out um, a closer version of what Jesus has called you to? Just such a great question to consistently be asking yourself. And the invitation for anyone who's seeking or wondering or asking questions, it's this. Would you be willing to consider that following the commands of Jesus might bring you the freedom that you've been looking for and that you've been created for? I know it sounds a bit counterintuitive, but I'll tell you, as someone who follows Christ, this is what I have found to be true in my life. And if you're willing to consider that, I just want to challenge you this morning and invite you Maybe you're ready to take another step and ask some more questions and dig a little deeper and talk to somebody about your questions about faith. Please reach out to one of us. Or if you know someone is a Christian, reach out to them and have a conversation about what it means to them to be following Christ. I know they would love to have that conversation with you. I know I certainly would. So those are our invitations this morning for those who are in Christ and those who are still seeking. And I trust most of all that this series is helping you construct, reconstruct, or remodel your faith in some way to help you um, and equip you to understand and express some of these great truths of the Christian faith. And so with that, um, I just wanted to say I love you, Freedom. I hope to see you next week, perhaps. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to throw it back to our team there, live, in person. Bless you.